Magid is really the centerpiece of the Vesach Seder. The whole reason we're gathered here on this night is because the Torah says, You will magid to your child on that day, telling the story of how God took you out of Egypt. And the rabbis say, based on this verse, that it's not enough for us to just tell the story of the Exodus, but we have to see ourselves every year, every moment, and every generation, wherever we find ourselves, as if we ourselves were taken out of Egypt. And what we see reflected in the Magid itself, in the Haggadah, is something very strange, because the Magid doesn't tell the story of the Exodus. It doesn't say, okay, Israel was taken as slaves, empowered to this them, and they got took them out this way. Yes, the story comes through the lines of the Haggadah. But it's framed in a very strange way. We have the children, the four sons asking questions, different kinds of questions of their parents. We have the stories of the rabbis who are up all night talking about the Exodus. And then the, the main body of the Haggadah is these long midrashim of the rabbis taking verses and explaining what each one of them means and, and expanding the story of the Exodus. In, in a sense, the entire Magid section, the way that this is told, the story we're reading here, is not the story of the Exodus itself, as much as it is a story about how we tell our stories. It is stories of people who told this story, who model ways of how we relate to our memories, to our experiences of the past, and how we try to make sense of them and find meaning in them in, in the present. And there's two basic guidelines in this modeling of how we're meant to tell our story. The first one the rabbis say is you have to ask questions. Is that you can't tell the Exodus story without asking questions. In fact, that the only story we're telling tonight is the story that comes in response to the questions that we are asking. That's number one. And number two, the rabbis say, is that the story is matchil bignai umisayim shabach. It's a story that we begin, we open in shame, in disgrace, in speaking of sorrow, and eventually are led to an experience and a state of praise. This whole night, this storytelling of the night, is modeling for us how to engage with painful, even disgraceful stories of the past and be led through them to a place of expansive praise. In a sense, to see and feel and experience ourselves being brought out of Egypt, being brought from that place of shame and sorrow to a place of freedom. And I want to speak for a moment about the questions and why that's such a crucial element here. For starters, if we go back to the Exodus story itself, the entire story of redemption is fueled by people who ask questions. Some who literally ask a question and others who are merely willing to question what they're told, question the assumptions around them and question the status quo. We see this from the very get-go with the Hebrew midwives who Paro tells to, to kill 
newborn babies, and they do not do as Paro commands them. They're willing to stand up and challenge what they're being told and go against it and disobey. The next questioner we have is Paro's own daughter. There she sees a baby floating in the Nile, a baby who she identifies as a Hebrew baby, who she knows is meant to be drowned in this Nile. And instead, she has compassion. She picks up this crying baby in her arms and she adopts it as her own. This is another person who questions the authority, who questions and stands up to the powers that be, even in her own household. Then, according to the rabbis, the figure of Miriam is also a questioner. According to the Midrash, there actually would never be a baby Moshe without Miriam, who had the gall to stand up to her parents and say, how dare you stop from having children? How dare you hide from the cruel decrees of Pharaoh? You're worse than Pharaoh because you won't even give birth to a girl in this situation. You need to create more life. And it was at Miriam's push, her challenge to her parents, that they remarried, bore a child, who became Moshe, who himself was the redeemer. And then you have Moshe himself. Moshe, who is the man of questions. Just look at what we see Moshe doing. He grows up. He goes out to see his brother's suffering. The first thing he does, he sees injustice. He sees an Egyptian taskmaster striking a Hebrew slave. And he goes and he takes care of that guy. He defends the weak one. He stands up to the Egyptian and he knocks him down. The very next day, he sees two slaves fighting, and he asks them this chilling question, Lama How can you strike Re'echa, your beloved one? The person in the very same situation as you, your fellow, you are connected to each other. How can you be fighting in this way? Then he flees Egypt from Midian, and the very next thing he does is he stands up to a group of shepherds who are harassing these, these women at the well. Everywhere he goes, he is challenging the status quo. Everywhere he goes, he is questioning what others take to be a valid assumption, and he's saying no to it. And he is standing for what he believes in. Then years pass, and here Moshe is wandering in the desert, and he notices something strange. And he turns to ask the question that opens up the whole path of redemption. He says, what is this wondrous sight? How could it be that this bush isn't being consumed? And the Torah says that God sees that Moshe is willing to turn to ask and to turn and inquire. And because of that, God, in response, calls to him and says, Moshe, Moshe, God was waiting for somebody who's willing to approach the world with a question. And in that open question, there is space for the redemptive mission and the redemptive energy to filter in. It's the ability to ask questions in the Exodus that paves the path forward towards freedom. And for us too, our ability to live in a state of question to ask questions and to challenge the assumptions that we have taken for granted until now, this is our doorway to change. This is, in a sense, the only way that we will be able to sense freedom and liberation from our current circumstances. If we too can turn to 
what we know and what we have experienced till now and just ask, what is it? That is what enters into the picture, the energy for change. So we know we have the Manishtana, the four questions. Traditionally, these questions are called the Arvakashyas, the four challenges. They're not mere questions of, well, can you explain to me what this is about? No, Manishtana means, what's changing here? What is shifting here? I'm noticing things that don't make sense to me. It's usually like this, now it's like this. What's going on and, and why are we doing this? I'm questioning the contradictions that I notice. I'm questioning the things that are in flux right now here at the table. And the truth is, throughout the Seder, this question of ma, of what, it filters in everywhere we, everywhere we turn. We have Manishtana, which themselves are, are, are clearly framed as questions. But then you have the four sons, and you have, you have Chacham, ma hu omer, Tam, ma hu omer. Each one of them has a ma to say. Each one of them has a what that they bring to the table. Even when we're giving what seem to be answers to the questions, explaining what the Pesach offering, the matzah, the marah, it's al-shuma. It is eaten on the what. Each thing that we do on this night is based, is founded on a what. Ma-gid. What are you telling tonight? Ma-tzah. Ma-ror. The echo throughout this night is that grand, vast, open question of what. I've experienced this night before. I've done all these rituals before. I've read this story before. I've heard you tell it to me in these same words before. But you know what? If I've already experienced this before, so I'm not going to be liberated. This is not going to be a story of redemption. Not for me, and it's not how it happened to that. The hope for redemption lies in my ability to open up a question and to live in a state of question. To live in a state of ma. Ma zot. Ma zot. What is this? At every moment in the Seder, at every stage here, this is the question that we are returning to again and again. So that this moment can be unlocked from the confines of what I've assumed it to be until now. And so that my experience on this night, the way that I relate to this story, also can be unlocked from the confines and constraints of how I've experienced it until now. How is it that I can tell a story of my disgrace and shame, of my gnai, of my pain and trauma of the past, and ultimately be led to a place of singing the praises of God, ultimately be led to a place of expansion, expansiveness, the only way is to revisit that story and to encounter it through the lens of what? To go to each point in that story and to just live in a question before it. What is this? And let myself fully absorb and feel that quality, that moment as it is without all of the presumptions and assumptions the what opens a space for it to really just be here and for me to really be here with it. And if I can continue to ask a what, I can move through the stages of pain, through the stages of slavery and suffering and oppression. And I can even move and shift into the stages of things shifting and changing 
through there being a possibility even from that depth of pain to also have an equally powerful or even more powerful depth of redemption and of salvation. Because if all I know is the pain and I've locked it into its definition, so the concept of redemption seems ridiculous to me. But if I can loosen my definitions around what I've known until now, I can loosen and make space to feel into those painful memories and also walk forward and allow myself to feel into the salvation that trickles in, that descends into the place where I am and where I have been, that has brought me to this moment here. I can even experience this moment in what? In the expansive, open, receptive mode of gitula of hotza'ah, of being removed and lifted out of the place that I have been trapped. I may be trapped at points in this night, but when I am trapped, I can ask the question, what is this? And by questioning it, it already loosens the chains that hold me here. And as those chains loosen, and I can move forward in the story, I can also let myself really sit in a question of what and receive that shocking and outlandish and absurd reality and possibility of redemption, of hope. Of that hopeful redemption that is actually just as real and even more real than those stories of pain because here I am right now. I have made it out. I have made it out. And when I tell the story, telling the story itself is a reminder and an affirmation in the here and now of how truly I have made it out to this moment. As we say, call Hamar Belisaper Bitsia Mitzvahim Hrezim Shibach. All who tell more in Yitzia Mitzrayim, it is praiseworthy. The language isn't about the Exodus. It's not that you tell more about the Exodus, it's that you tell in the leaving of Egypt. That telling the story, deepening in the story, living in the story, is itself Bitsia Mitzrayim. We tell the story, and by telling it, we leave. The narrow place by telling it more fully, more deeply, we leave the place of confines. And we get to a place of realizing that our life is full of a living, singing, calling praise. This is the entryway to Magid. This is the opening to Magid. This is the framing of Magid. So we're invited here to ask what? Magid. What do we? have to tell and say and hear tonight. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Ravdaniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. 
For more from the Chef of Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.